In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Welcome back into the Retirement Pathfinder. I am Ben George, joined as always by Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane. They are over at Pathfinder Wealth Management. Both are a retirement income planning specialist looking to help you out and provide a little education on the show today. We're kind of flipping the script a little bit. We're going to talk about how they got their financial knowledge. We know we've learned a lot from them, but how did they actually get to this point? Who kind of influenced them? What books did they, did they like to read? What relationships have helped them out? We'll learn all about that today on the podcast. So I'm looking forward to the conversation and glad to catch up with you both again here in the new year. Yes. Yeah, welcome. From you, welcome, Ben. It's nice to hear your voice and uh, and happy new year to you and happy new year to all of our listeners. And uh, we're glad for a new year. You know, we have a new administration starting today. And so we were hoping for the best and we want to remain optimistic. And, you know, we were hoping for good things to happen. Yeah, I know that uh, I think a lot of people are in the same boat and just, you know, approaching this with kind of a fresh start. You know, let's just have a really good year. And and keep moving forward. That's what we always do. And, and I'm looking forward to that as well. And, and y'all have some good news, at least you, Barbara, right? With your grandkid? I do. I have some bragging rights for my one and a half year old granddaughter had just learned how to call me grandma last week. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I was excited about that. I mean, she says mommy and daddy and her sister's name and you know, some words that we of course don't understand, but now she calls me gamma. So that was, uh, <laughs> That was exciting because I do watch her two days a week. And then, uh, well, of course, Phil, you've got three grandkids. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Ben, do you, you know, do you have grandkids? No, no, just, just I, one. I just have one little one right now. So that's, that's, that's what I thought. I, yeah, yeah, you're pretty young. So. But, I, but I know my, my parents always uh, enjoy catching up with her on FaceTime and, and seeing her. So I, I kind of know yeah. how that goes. Yeah. Yep, it's fun. A lot of fun. And we can't forget to mention the Packers, too, of course, oh for you, too, God. right? Awesome. Are they awesome or yeah, what? We're, I'm I'm saying Aaron Rodgers MVP all the way. I mean he's playing he's playing outstanding. That game this last Saturday was a very. I could not believe that their defense didn't get a chance to even touch Aaron Rodgers. That was good. Yeah, it was really really a good game. It absolutely was. Yeah, you got to throw that in there, right? For you do. yes, to move along yes, in the good, playoffs. Good thinking, Ben. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think our, our Bears fans will will uh, grant us grace here, <laughs> forgive us for mentioning Green Bay, but that's a that's what we believe in is Green Bay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> well, it's before you get started, I want to remind you, PathfinderWealth.com is the website where you can get in touch with Barbara and Phil. You can call them as well anytime, 815-399-9806 to talk about financial planning, retirement planning, any questions you have, or to start that process, they're there as well. And there's a lot of resources on their website, including all of our podcasts. You can go back through and listen to some of those. And we appreciate everybody that has found the podcast and has been listening, still been growing strong. And, and we want to say thank you heading into this this new year. But we want to learn more about Barbara and Phil. And we have learned a lot about you both along the way. But today, I kind of want to get more background on your financial knowledge because we, we hear from you and we learn a lot from you every single episode and people that work with you on a day-to-day basis. But we kind of learn about that journey of how you actually got to this point and what made you interested in the, the money and financial side of things and who's affected your views along the way. And so I've got a few questions for you guys today. First one is books. I mean, I, I think we all you know rely on books a lot to learn and continue our education. Curious what books have really in, impacted you and maybe shaped the way you look at things. Yeah, and you know, I was taught many, many years ago that you know leaders are readers. 
In other words, you know, you really have to stay up with the uh, current knowledge in your, in your discipline. And so in the 40 years I've been doing financial planning, I had a goal starting out to read at least four books related to my field. And I can say that I've, I've done that and read even more than that. And some, some were extremely heavy and it took a long time to slog through the real, you know, sleep aids, as it were. Now, others are light and, and rather unfulfilling. But the purpose behind my, my goal of extensive reading has not really been to, quote, keep up with the industry or discover all the latest and greatest investments like a Bitcoin type of investment out there, you know, try to get an edge up on it. Because really, you know, there really is nothing new under the sun when it comes to investing. But my goal has also not been to figure out, you know, how to win the race by getting the highest returns and beating the indexes each and every year. That's, that's a fool's errand. That's an impossibility. You can't do that. Even the professionals can't do that out mm-hmm. there. So my main objective during uh, the past 20 years was to really land on an investment strategy that could produce the same results. In other words, just like a science experiment could be duplicated over and over and over again. I knew they were out there. And so of all the books that uh, I have read, the one that has been the most influential to support this financial science, what I call a financial science approach, was given to me by one of my clients, of all people. And Les hmm. gave me the book and he said his son gave it to him and, and I read it and I thought, boy, this capsulizes exactly what we're doing. It's called The Investment Answer, The Five Key Decisions Every Investor Needs to Make. And it's just a little 70-page gem by Dan Goldie and Gordon Murray, very elegantly and succinctly described. And it talks about the most important five things that an investor needs to know, which very briefly are the decision of whether you want to be a do-it-yourselfer run it by yourself or hire a professional about the uh, decision of asset allocation, how to split up your investments in various asset classes, diversification, how many to hold in the portfolio. Also a very important one being an active or a passive investor. That's a good one to really understand completely because the industry has by and far pushed active investing. You know, we can beat the index by actively picking stocks and bonds versus just using an index and then the rebalancing decision. So, Though this book is is short and it's accumulation, though, of the best Nobel Prize winning laureates in finance. So we really, really value that book. We have passed the book along literally to hundreds of our clients over the years because it's it really is best explanation is the best way to explain our strategy at mm-hmm. Pathfinder in an understanding and really comprehensive manner. Yeah. You know, you mentioned having uh, goals for reading books, and I've let that kind of sway by the side of the road for the last couple of years. Now I have a goal this year for reading about six books. And typically in the past, I always pick up some type of a financial book. And uh, this year I'm going to look in areas of my of spirituality and, and financial, but also American history. And when I have chosen books, they always seem to be financial. So I'm going to, I'm going to become a little bit more well-rounded. Yeah, so. you're going to be well-balanced. My goodness, you'll have it all over me. Yeah. <laughs> Now, as far as financial books over my 23 years in this business, I've read quite a few. And the first one I thought about when I heard this was a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And the funny thing is, it's not about accumulating wealth. It's about personal development and self-improvement and setting a standard for success. And that book was written in 1937 with a few variations since. But that, that I've read that book a few times, and that's a very good book. And then not necessarily in the financial side of things, but for setting goals, First Things First by Stephen Covey was a very good book. 
It talks about prioritizing your days. And when you can prioritize your days and break those down into hours, mm -hmm. we really do have a lot of days. And uh, when I saw this question, I knew right away that Phil and I were going to both choose the same book, and that's The Investment Answer. That's by Gordon Murray. Yeah, I didn't collude with you on that. <laughs> no, we, we, together. we didn't, but hands down, that's yeah. one of the best for our listeners because we've often said here at Pathfinder that you don't have to know everything about investing, but you do have to know some of the important things. One of the most important questions, I think, in that book is, is the difference between active and passive investing. So I think that'll help you to choose one of those philosophies. And then when you can choose an investment philosophy, then you can uh, pick the right advisor for yourself. But I think uh, the investment answer, it's a short read. You could probably read it in a couple of hours. And uh, that's a very good book. The investment answer. I'm putting it on my list right now to yes. add. I, I, you know, I always do it every year. I'm kind of like you, Barbara. I'm like, I got to Okay, I'm going to read five or six books this year. I do it every year. Sometimes I fall short. Sometimes I do a little bit better, but got that same goal this year. So I'll add this yep. investment answer to the list uh, for this year. Yep. So thank you. You'll enjoy it. Family always has a big impact on us, right? I mean, especially our parents in many ways really kind of affect the way we think about money. How about for you two? Did your parents influence your views at all? Well, I'll take that question, Ben, because my parents did influence my views on money a great deal. My dad worked and my mom was a homemaker. So my mom was a planner and she budgeted very well. We had at the time $50 a week for groceries to feed nine people. And that was back in the 70s. And you may look and think, oh, okay, that was 50 years ago. That should have been enough to feed a family then. And let me tell you that I remember that that was a challenge even back then. But my mom made things work. She stretched the dollar and she's a very good cook and she made it happen. But also money was very private. And it was none of our business and money was never discussed at the dinner table. And what I learned from that had led me to talking about money with my daughter very often. And she's 30 years old today, but I encourage her to save and maxing out her retirement account to plan for emergencies by setting up an emergency fund. And I think money should be an important topic of discussion and regularly and kids should have savings accounts and, and talk to them about compound interest. But I was so happy when my 18-year-old nephew called me about two years ago and told me he'd been watching David Ramsey, my 18-year-old uh, huh. nephew, and he wanted to know how to start an investment account. So then that began our conversations that we still have. And we talked about dollar cost averaging and compound interest, and he'll be in good shape if he keeps it up. Well, he opened an investment account, and then he contributes to that monthly. But he likes to he also likes to watch individual stocks, which is good because he's taking interest now and in, and in how money works. And it's great to hear his stories and his conversations because I like I said, I do talk to him regularly. Yeah, I think in my my world growing up, I had a very stable home life and and my parents showed me how to make it versus how to manage it. And what I mean by that is my dad had his own business. He was a tool and die maker. He was a tool and die maker par excellence. He was really, really good. And so I got into business with him in high school, working in a shop. And uh, I was taught that the way you, you make money or the way you, you build a future for yourself is not necessarily through investing through the stock market. It, it was having your own business. And so I started out at 10 years of age on a paper route, you know, and I started working every year. The kids were out there playing basketball or football or whatever. And I was out there working and, um, and, you know, I didn't feel like I missed anything, but I learned how to be very diligent and disciplined in, in making money and, and saving it. It wasn't until I got into the service that I really learned how to manage it properly and how to invest it through the, the uh, mentoring of a senior officer. And uh, I tell that story often that uh, he showed me how compound interest worked and 
mutual funds and that type of thing. And that's really what got me into the business many years ago. It's kind of funny. You mentioned a paper out at what, the age of 10? 10 years of age. Yeah. 10 years. Because I remember my mom telling my sister and I that she can't buy all the things that we want because there's seven kids in the family. So we need to get out and get working. So I did. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I got a babysitting job at the age of 12 after school. And that began my working career. Yep. The Bible <laughs> says, you know, train up a child the way he should, he should go or she should go. And, and there you are. So sure. Good. Well, let's stick with relationships, you know, going beyond your family. Let's talk about some of the professional relationships that you have. Are there any that you can think of that you, you know, you really appreciate for how they help you with your clients? Yeah, that's a very good question because I have quite a few that I thought about, Ben. And uh, one of the first ones is Ed Slot. He's an IRA and a tax expert. And I have been following him for probably 15 to 18 years. Uh, another one is Wade Fow. He has a PhD in economics, and he's a professor at the American College of Financial Planning. But he's just done extensive research going way back to the 1920s on income and income withdrawals and sustainability of that, income withdrawal rules, and uh, just a great deal of knowledge that I gained from him. Michael Kitsis is one I call Michael the uh, alphabet of credentials. and He's a financial advisor, but he has many areas that he's very knowledgeable in. And Bill Meyer is one that we have, uh, that we follow. He was the founder of our social security software that we use. And that has helped us probably over the last eight years we've been working with him. That has helped us and our clients decide when to take social security in so many times. But I, I also wanted to mention some of the strategic partnerships that we have just with local people. So we have great partnerships with local estate planning attorneys, mm-hmm. the same for our insurance needs. And And we, by the way, are very particular about who works with our clients. So we've got expectations. We oversee any of the planning with all of our partners. We don't just say, hey, you know, here's here's one of our clients and, you know, have at this have at these people. But others expertise is very valued because it allows Phil and I to focus on our areas of expertise, like educating the community and retirement planning, saving money on taxes. And we found it beneficial to be experts in our areas of financial planning and partner with experts in their fields. So we have some good local relationships, too. I would go ahead and endorse the same ones that, that Barb has mentioned here. I also add to the list Mark Matson, who's a friend of ours from Matson Money. A lot of our clients would be familiar with that name. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark, years ago, helped me unpack that very, very complicated concept called modern portfolio theory, that markets work, they're efficient. And you know, it took quite a bit of time to get that in my little pea brain <laughs> so I could understand it. But Mark is very well known in the financial community. He appears on many of the business channels to give his opinion about what's going on. And so we we like to consider Mark a, a partner with us. Uh, he's created a lot of educational systems that we use. Just a great, great mentor to us. And we like to give a shout out to him as well. Yeah, we can't forget him. That's very right. true. Right. It sounds like a lot of people have impacted you both along the way. Quite a, quite a bit. Sure. Great to hear. Uh, all right. Let's, one last thing I want to kind of discuss with you in terms of financial knowledge, and it's the advancements in technology. You know, you have so much of an access to information, right? But also you can buy stocks at a touch of a button, or you can invest your life savings on your phone, you know, wherever you are. I mean, there's some crazy advancements in technology that are, that are really good in a lot of ways, but... Do you think they're helping or hurting us in terms of financial literacy? Yeah, that, you know, you remember uh, Lost in Space? You probably are too young to remember that, Ben, but, you know, the robot, warning, 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 Will, you know, <laughs> be careful, you know. Um, so is it helping or hurting us or the industry? Well, it all depends on 
from what direction you, you view it from. Yeah, here's an example of what I'm talking about. The big scare in the financial planning community occurred in the past 10 years was the creation of what, Barb? What do you think the big scare was to the financial planning community out there? Robo-advisors. Robo-advisors. What's, I mean, I'm sure our, our listeners have heard of robo-advisors. And the premise of a robo-advisor and the attraction is of using one is you don't need to hire some high-priced advisor schmuck out there using, um, but just use indexes or ETFs and have a computer to make all the decisions for you using what they call algorithms in advanced technology and then charge you $1.25. <laughs> you know, yeah, I kind of overstate <laughs> the case here, of course, and I'm not even sure what an algorithm is, you know, but anyhow. So technology, you know, initially had a had the financial planning industry through the robo-advisor in a panic, literally seeing their business go away because of the robo-advisor entree. And so, you know, who benefits from this technology? You could say, well, the client, right? Not the advisor, because now we're shifting from the advisor to the client. Well, not really. In this case, uh, where we're using technology, it might be a bad thing. And let me tell you why. Barron's came out with an article uh, in July 31st, 2020, that's last year, and it was midway through the year, through the uh, COVID debacle, and, and then some of the recovery there. And what it did, it ranked the 10 best robo-advisors out there. And these are big name companies too. And I'm not going to mention their names, but they're household names. But interestingly, the industry is so young that they could only really track or measure companies for two and a half years. What kind of a track record is sure. that? Two and a half years worth, right? Well, of the 10 companies measured the first six months of 2020, on the worst side, the worst of it was negative 5.4%, and the best was 0.4%. All right. So it wasn't even 1% bar that they made halfway through the year. Well, they're, they're supposed to be the experts. Okay. And why is there such a wide range of returns for, let's say, a, a 60 40 portfolio? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It's why there's so much varied differences here because, you know, the computers are supposed to be picking the best, right? True. <laughs> right. Well, by comparison, a well constructed 50 50 portfolio, like many of our listeners on, on this podcast have, how did you do? Well, how about 2.13%? That was halfway through the year 2.313%. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and that's with all fees deducted and everything there, you know, so is investment advice warranted. Aside from the differences in investor performance, the biggest advantage is the human touch. It really is having access to their advisor coach who helped them prepare for the inevitable downturn. Now, what I mean by that is this. Barron's didn't measure client retention, but really wrote that the majority of clients remained with the robo-advisors during the COVID downturn. Now, Barb, what does majority mean in terms of percentage to you? Well, the majority percentage would be 51%. Yeah, 51%. <laughs> that means that 49 went away, possibly, right? We right. don't know. They don't record it. But, yeah. you know, when people get spooked and there's nobody there to really help them understand what they hold, you know, and what they're going to after they get rid of it, they'll bail. So turnover has to be huge in the robo community. They haven't reported what it is, but technology can be useful. And it can be beneficial to both clients and advisors. And how can this happen? Well, you know, making available data in microseconds for prices of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and company reports, executing trades so cheaply that there are very virtually no dollars in commissions being charged at this point for a lot of the big firms. 
access to worldwide markets and instant reporting, but technology can actually be destructive to a client when the public is sold on the notion that financial assistance is now commoditized so that all you need to do is go online and find all the information. It's right. all there, right? Right. Only 333 million results when you, you know, you Google the word investments, 333 million results. Yeah. You know, I, I just answer the question simply that I think this is an area I believe the Internet's done more harm than good, certainly in the financial field. Um, and you can Google anything, but there's bad information, there's wrong and outdated information. Sure. And then I also think about there's plenty of scams. Yep. So even if you legitimately want to research a topic and make decisions on it, how do you know it's the right and the most up-to-date information? And I think, for example, there is a social security strategy for maximizing benefits for married couples that ended in 2015. And even up until a year ago, I still had clients asking me about that because they saw it on the Internet. And so I think uh, must be true. Yeah. If you found it on the Internet, it <laughs> yep. must be true. I think the Internet's also a bad place because of all the pop ups and it's all the advertising. So they seem legitimate, but they can be scams. Just one click of a button and then they've got your interest. I think it's a dangerous place to be as you're aging and especially if you're living by yourself. I know this from talking to my clients, but searching the internet takes up time. And if you're not careful, you'll eventually fall prey to something that you shouldn't. And as we age, you know, we're not as clear and, and quick in our thoughts and can easily find ourselves in one of these unscrupulous sites. We had this happen to a few clients that I can think of and one in particular he fell prey to uh, one of these scams and yeah. he actually believed that the site was legit. We had to work with him for a couple months. Um, he never did get any, any of his money back, but of course, but it did cost him several thousand dollars. So if you're thinking of responding to something on the internet, you're unsure of, then call us. Hmm. I just had a client call me two weeks ago with something she got in the mail about social security. I was glad she did. I said, call me all the time about things like this. So the internet can be a good research tool because you can get a lot of information by sitting at your computer. Years ago for research, you'd have to go to the library. But just remember, all of you listeners, it's a tool. It's not all wise information. And, you know, there's, they're just so intricate, some of the scams, too. And even like people that are very comfortable on the internet and maybe pretty advanced, it's very easy still to fall to some of these scams out there. So if you ever have any questions about something, you always want to reach out and get a second opinion or reach out to that company directly and just make sure that what they're sending you is accurate. Because, yeah, I mean, they'll have, I've seen it where email addresses pop up and they look exactly like the sender's name, but you know yes. they're not. I mean, there's, it's very easy to get caught in those things. Yeah. My daughter had to share some things with me about that because I was, uh, I saw that with a couple of sites that I had frequented and, and you have to be very careful. Absolutely. Well, if you need any financial guidance, you can always reach out to Barbara and Phil at Pathfinder Wealth. They also have co-authored a couple of books as well. If you're looking for some more financial information to put uh, another book to put on your list, check out theirs, but also go visit the website, pathfinderwealth.com. There you can contact Barbara and Phil directly, set up a, a meeting, schedule an appointment there, or you can listen to all of our past episodes. So a lot of stuff online at Pathfinder Wealth, but wherever you listen from, we'd appreciate it. If you subscribe, we appreciate everyone that's been listening here recently and had a great 2020 and really looking forward to this year in 2021. And we appreciate Barbara and Phil, both of you sharing a little bit of background and kind of how you got to this point in your careers. Yes, no problem. It's great to be with you today. We'll talk to you both soon and uh, everyone take care and have a good, very good new year. Looking forward to it. You betcha. Happy new year.
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.